We are looking <coughs> at 1 Samuel chapter 8. I mentioned last week that 1 Samuel 7 and 8 uh, are relatively unthought about sections of scripture. You know, we know a lot about Samuel's early life, um, but we don't know very much, or we don't often think very much about the other elements of his life until actually he gets to the point where he is anointing David as king over Israel. But uh, there are some very significant lessons. You know, I, <clears throat> when I prepared this, called it succession planning. One of the problems of preparing things quite a long time before you actually deliver them, when you're thinking them through, as I like to do before I uh, am involved in delivering teaching on the Word of God, I realise there's something that's just as significant for all of us there. You know, succession planning is important. It's important for this church, you know. Where are we going to go uh, as far as the future is concerned? And who's going to be responsible for doing what? And we get some challenges uh, in this section because they didn't get succession planning right. And we have to ask ourselves some questions. You know, what can we learn from this? But actually, when you go back to think about what is in this section, it's not only succession planning, but it's also how we, as the people of God, make decisions. How we make decisions in a church context, but there are significant lessons for us about how we make less, how we make decisions as individuals. I remember uh, when I was a young head teacher, uh, one of the things that they were very keen that we did was actually to ask ourselves what were the decision-making processes that we were going to get ourselves involved in when leading a school. And uh, we had to do something called force field analysis. Uh, and actually, it's quite similar here. They saw a need and then they looked for ways of dealing with the need. But in looking for their way to deal with the need, they let other things get in the way. And it's true for all of us that in our lives we can let Things get in the way of our decision-making process and we don't consider the implications of the things that get in the way. So, let's read this passage together. 1 Samuel 8. When Samuel grew old... Oh, I already forgot to click. There we are. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together 
and came to Samuel at Ramah, they said to him, you are old, your sons do not follow your ways, now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. When they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, I got it right, yes. The Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plough his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants, your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you on that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king then samuel said to the israelites everybody go back to your own town so you will see we have read something that doesn't seem to well doesn't have a satisfactory conclusion but you know these things that are written in Old Testament scripture, the Apostle Paul tells us, are written for our learning. Now, succession planning is the will of God. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, just as he was about to die, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. 
So the Apostle Paul makes it clear that succession planning is the responsibility of the servant of God. And you will observe that in this verse, he's talking of at least four generations. <coughs> there's Paul, there's Timothy. There's the ones that Timothy is going to teach. And then he says that they should teach others also. So thinking about the way forward is an exceedingly important task for all the people of God. God has put in our hands the responsibility for the future. And there is, of course, a danger that if we don't take that responsibility seriously, then God will step in do what he says to the church at Ephesus. Remove the candlestick. God expects you and me to take our responsibilities seriously and he expects you and I to understand the significance of the decisions that we are due to make. So, Let's observe what is here. Now this is a challenge, isn't it? Here's Samuel, this amazing servant of God. And he was an amazing servant. You know, he defeated the Philistines without an army. So that tells us what an amazing servant of God he actually was. But... In the passage before us today, we understand that his decision-making process was not God's model. Because what he does, we read here, is he appoints his sons to be the leaders. Where did he learn that model from? Hmm? Well, it was it was exactly <coughs> what Eli had done, isn't it? So even though he was a totally different servant of God to Eli, he does exactly what Eli did. What he doesn't do is follow the model that his mother had followed. What his mother had done, when she saw a need, we thought about this earlier in our studies, when she saw a need, she goes into the presence of God and she prays about it. So it's a pretty, it's a really significant thing that you and I understand this lesson. When we see need, when we see, as we do, the need to make decisions about the future of the church, when we've got to make decisions about the future of ministries that each one of us are engaged in, the big lesson from the book of Samuel is that we pray about it. 
And it's the kind of prayer that Hannah got herself involved in. It was prayer that says, Lord, I understand that you are powerful. I understand that you are great. Lord, I want the best for Israel. And so I am ready to give the son I haven't yet got. I am ready to give that son to God. So Hannah sets a model. But Samuel doesn't follow it when it comes to making decisions about who is going to follow him. Remember, these things are written for our learning. What Samuel did, and it's really quite surprising when you consider his background, what Samuel did was put his personal relationships above what God wanted. And it's a lesson we need to learn that what we need is not to say family has no role. Because when you think about our Lord Jesus, you will observe that he recognised the role of family, particularly his relationship with his mother. You know, as he's there on the cross, in all the agony and anguish that that cross meant, he provides for his mother. It was his responsibility under Jewish law to provide for his mother. So he does it. But we actually learn in that provision something very significant. He provided the care of his mother through John. And that care was never taken back. Even though his brothers became believers following his death and resurrection. We never read that the responsibility given to John was removed. And in fact, history bears out that John cared for the mother of the Lord Jesus well to the end of her life. So, here we have a situation. Samuel's model was not God's model. So, we think now, what were the elders of Israel's model? What did that look like? Well, we are told that the elders of Israel's role was they saw the need, they saw that Samuel was old, they saw, sorry about that, <laughs> they, they saw <clears throat> that uh, the sons did not match up to the role, so they have another solution. And their solution is appoint for us a king such as all the nations have. So what they are doing is they are looking for the world's model. 
They're looking for the world's model. We have to ask ourselves the question, when we are looking to make decisions, what is the model that we follow? When we see a problem, and they saw a problem, that was right the problem that they saw. But when it came to looking for the solution, they looked into the world around them and they said, that's the solution that we want. And it's a very significant thing for you and I to understand. So what happens? We've got two possible solutions. The sons of Eli, uh, sorry, the sons of Samuel, or a king to be put over the people. So, what is Samuel's response? Well, we read that he prayed to the Lord. Now, that's interesting. Probably should have done that before, shouldn't he? Prayed to the Lord. That's what his mum had done. Prayed to the Lord. But what we observe happening after this prayer to the Lord is a real challenge to us. You see, this is where he should have begun. But actually, we learn the lesson for us all communication with God in everything that we seek to do is vital and I emphasize again on my notes there Hannah's example when we want to know what we got what we should be doing we have to follow the pattern of coming into the presence of God and asking God just exactly what he wants us. You see, the truth is, it should not be that when we are unhappy about the outcomes that there are, that that's the point we actually start praying about it. Our responsibility is to pray at the beginning. And you see, what we're going to observe is how this prayer is answered. You know, the first thing that Samuel had to understand was that there are times when we pray, when we get an unexpected answer. Notice what is said here. Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It's not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me. As they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. God is saying to Samuel, Samuel, what you are going through is exactly what I've been going through. And you know, 
When God spoke to Job, God said this to him, Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you do? And so, we don't get, do we, what we would have imagined that God is going to say to Samuel. We would have expected, well I would have anyway, because, you know, as I look at this chapter, I would have expected God to say, you know, what you've got to do, Samuel, is you've got to do exactly the same as your mother did. You've got to find the right person uh, to be the leader of Israel, and you've got to anoint him as the first per uh, as the leader of Israel. But he doesn't do that. God says to him very, very clearly that what he's got to do is he has got to listen to the people of Israel. You need to warn them that they've got to understand what it means to have a king. And the lesson for you and me is this. We've got to understand that as we are seeking to serve God, that we've got to take responsibility for the route that we decide that we are going to take. And what was very significant for Samuel was he had to tell the people of God what it meant to have a king. Now there's a lot in here, but I just want to point out one thing that is here. Having a king is going to mean he will take your sons. Number two, he'll take your daughters. Number three, he'll take the best of your fields. Number four, he will take a tenth of your grain. And number five, he will take a tenth of your flocks. Yes, if you go down this route of having a king, you are going to lose enormously. There are implications concerning the decisions that we make and he also goes on to say to them listen if you make decisions not only are there going to be issues as far as what the king does is concerned but there are going to be issues with regard to your relationship with God the Lord is not going to answer you. And even though they received this warning, they decided that a king was much more important than was listening to what God had said because they were going to be like the other nations. So this is a really sad conclusion uh, with regard to their planning for the future and it's something that you and I need to think very very seriously about 
You know, we don't get an encouraging conclusion. What we do get is the fact that the people failed, Samuel brings it to God, and the conclusion is that the Lord says, tell everybody to go back to their own place. So, what are the lessons for you and me when it comes to making decisions? Because we all have to make them, don't we? Well, first of all, areas of difficulty have to be recognised. And we have to recognise that succession planning is one of the greatest areas of difficulty in Scripture. You know, King Saul planned for succession, but actually all his sons were killed. David planned for succession. What it caused was real disaster among the people of Israel. Oh yes, eventually Solomon was on the throne, but clearly Solomon was not the man that his father was. He was great at the beginning, but he failed at the end. So we need to recognize that succession planning is difficult. Paul and I were chatting about it on the way back from uh, the conference we were at uh, yesterday. And we were trying to think, where can we think of good examples of succession planning in Scripture? I've got to admit to you, I can only really think of two. One is Joshua, who Moses well and truly schooled to take over from him by giving him slowly but surely different tasks to do and Joshua as a result of doing those different tasks bit by bit came to understand uh, the power of God and of course the other great succession planner was our Lord Jesus who made sure that starting with 12 disciples led to the world being evangelized but you know it is something we just can't take for granted because if we do, the dangers are absolutely enormous. Yes, Eli failed. Samuel failed. Many kings of Israel failed. And as I've already said to you, Moses succeeded. So, what can we take as key areas in succession planning? Amazing. What we can learn from Hannah is really very important. Number one, this woman living far away from the divine centre. She lived in the hill country. You know, she lived in the sticks. She was out of 
where things were happening, but she saw the need. And then what Hannah did was she prayed. And then what Hannah did, she gave sacrificially. Then she carried out the will of God. And I want to say to you, we all want to do what God wants, don't we? We all want to do that. If I came to you and said, you know, do you want to do what God wants you to do? You'd all say to me, yes, of course I do. Okay. If we're going to do what God wants us to do, there are four key things that we learn in 1 Samuel. We've got to see need as God sees it. As God sees it. Now, from a human standpoint, if you look at what was going on in 1 Samuel, yes, the tabernacle was there. Number two, the sacrifices were there. Number three, there were priests there. But those priests were marked by compromise and sin. So even though it looked okay on the outside, when God looked inside, it wasn't okay. It was wrong. And Hannah, she saw the need. Things were not right. It's very interesting. She doesn't go marching up to Eli and say to Eli, you're a wicked old man allowing the things that you're allowing to happen. In fact, what she says in chapter 1 uh, when dealing with Eli is quite astonishing. Even though he misunderstood her, there's no disrespect in the way she deals with the problem at all. She's totally respectful. What does Hannah do when she sees a need? She prays. Now what does that tell us? It tells us she believed in prayer, doesn't it? You know, sometimes we say, oh, I'll pray about it. Don't we? question is do we believe that God is listening to the prayers that we are praying Hannah did and when she got an answer to her prayer in chapter 1 she accepted it without question she wasn't pregnant when she accepted it but she believed that when God spoke to her actually through Eli, she could trust him. So, she sees the need. It's marked by prayer. Then she promises God, give me a son and I'll give him back to you. That's amazing sacrificial giving, sacrificial living, isn't it? To say to God, what you want from me, I am going to give to you. Finally, when God reveals to her what her planning is going to involve, she carried it out. So with succession planning in the church, we need to pray. We need to be sacrificial in our giving, whether it's time, 
whether it's talent, whatever. If it's not sacrificial, God's not interested. Sacrifice is a characteristic of the Christian life. God wants sacrifice. And when we promise to do it, he expects us to carry that through. That's the challenging lesson of 1 Samuel chapter 8. Israel got itself in a mess because it didn't follow these principles. And it was going to take a long, long time, over 40 years, for the man after God's own heart to be leading the people of God. So the challenge is we need to make right decisions, don't we? We need to live effectively for God. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we recognise the passage we've looked at this morning is a difficult passage. We recognise the challenges are big and the challenges are strong. We recognise they affect every one of us. We all need to ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? <coughs> to be ready to do it for your glory. So, Father, be with us now, we pray. Bless us and help us. We pray as we move into this holiday period that we will know your help and guidance. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.